being seated, I invite you to take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of St. Luke, our text for this morning, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, is found in chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and we're looking at an episode from the ministry of Jesus. Luke 17, I'll begin reading at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he approached a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then He said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. My friends, this is the Word of God. Would you pray with me? God, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us this day. Cause all earthly distractions to cease. Silence all the voices in our minds and our hearts. Help us to give ourselves to you in these moments, seeking to hear a fresh word for us. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will take down all the barriers that we've put up between us and you. We want you to continue to do your work of transformation in our lives. God, we pray that you'll melt our hard hearts. We pray that you'll take our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh instead. Let the oil and the wine of your Holy Spirit tenderize each one of us so that we can hear you in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, we talked about that wee little man, Zacchaeus. Remember him? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. Remember he climbed up in the sycamore tree because Jesus he wanted to see. I hope that you remember that sermon if you were here. What I really hope, one of the things I really hope you remember about that sermon was that when Jesus went to find Zacchaeus, he was on the most important mission the human race had ever seen. When Jesus decided to take a detour through the village of Jericho because he knew he had an appointment with that wee little man, he was on that mission to go to Jerusalem and to be offered as the Lamb of God whose blood would take away the sin of the world. 
most important mission the human race has ever seen. He had a task ahead of him. He had a job to do. He still welcomed the interruption. And he turned aside. He went into Jericho, and he found Zacchaeus, and he changed Zacchaeus' life. He's going to do it again. He does it again right here in this text. Again, in this part of the Gospel of Luke, beginning in the last part, the last few verses of chapter 9, Jesus has set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem. And he's en route to Jerusalem so that he can offer himself for your sake and for my sake. The most important mission human race has ever seen, but even though he's on that mission fulfilling that task, he sees some people in need. He hears some people who are in need. He hears these ten lepers. Look at the text, beginning at verse 11, on the way to Jerusalem. Luke never wants you to forget that. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were obeying the book of Leviticus. Obviously, almost all of these lepers were Jewish. They were obeying the book of Leviticus. They were keeping their distance. They were making sure that anyone who came in their vicinity would know that they were there. They would call out to keep people from getting too close to someone with leprosy. So they call out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, Jesus saw them. He paid attention to them. On the most important mission the human race has ever seen, but he sees human need. He sees human suffering. We see Jesus' compassion and love on full display right here. We as Christ followers should be as compassionate and as loving as Jesus Christ. We should preeminently have that ability to see the people around us, to see the human need in our vicinity. We need to be those people who are as extravagant with love as Jesus was extravagant with love. It was C.S. Lewis one time who famously said, we Christians, we know that we should love and we actually do love. But sometimes we dispense that love in teaspoonfuls. We need to love extravagantly because Jesus loved extravagantly. You need to understand what we learn from the Bible. Love is not something you feel. So love is something you do. It's kindness. It's charity towards someone else. Love does not mean you're in agreement with them. Love does not mean you're in alignment with them. Love does not mean that you are in endorsing them or their behavior. Love just means you're showing kindness. You're showing charity to people in need. We should be extravagant with our love. I've always been fond of the way that the King James Version of the Bible translates the great love poem in 1 Corinthians 13. All the modern translations refer to love in that passage. You know, love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long. But if you notice the King James, it's not called love in the passage. It's called charity. And I, I like that because we need to be reminded love is not something you feel. Love is something you choose to do. 
You show charity. You show kindness to someone else. You don't feel a certain way about them. You're not in alignment necessarily. You don't have to agree with them. You're not endorsing anything about their life. But you still show them complete, extravagant kindness, love, charity. You see Jesus doing that here with these ten lepers. And probably one of the most amazing verses in the text is after they call out to Jesus, Jesus saw them. He said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Again, I think most all of these are Jewish. They're being told to go show themselves to the priest there in the temple because in that day, in that culture, because of the book of Leviticus, if you had leprosy, and then you thought you were cured of leprosy. You had to go show yourself to a priest because it would be a priest who would give you that clean bill of health to let you re-enter human society. So Jesus said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. Don't lose sight of the fact that at this point Jesus, once again, is endorsing the law of Moses. You notice that the the front two-thirds of your Bible is Old Testament Hebrew Bible. We Christians are a new way of being Jewish. I hope that you know your Hebrew Bible as well as you know your Christian Testament. We made the decision 2,000 years ago. They're both part of our sacred scripture. So Jesus is sending them to the temple so that the priest could check them out and give them a clean bill of health. But here's probably the most fascinating part of this section. It says that as they went, they were made clean. They were not spontaneously healed. It was not instantaneous. As they turned and made their way traveling to Jerusalem where the temple and the priest were, they were made clean en route. I, I love that on behalf of those lepers because that tells me they listened to Jesus. They had faith in the word of Jesus. They believed what Jesus said. They believed he, he should be followed. He should be, he should be listened to. So they turned, they started walking toward Jerusalem, and as they went, they were healed. They're walking toward Jerusalem. They're walking away from Jesus without being healed was a sign of their faith. That act of obedience was a sign of their faith. Throughout much of life, and right now here at Wesley Memorial, we are building a bridge and walking on it at the same time. That takes some faith. Sometimes we just take the next step, do the next thing. We, we perhaps know the direction in which we need to go, but that doesn't mean we know every step of the way. But by faith, we show our obedience to the word of Christ by we start the journey. These lepers were told, go to the temple and show yourself to the priest. Well, they probably are thinking, we're still lepers but they start walking. They know that Jesus has told them something and they are going to be obedient to what Jesus tells them. And in route, as they are exercising their faith, they are healed of their leprosy. And then, of course, you notice the shocker in the text. None of this shocks us, but then if you start reading at verse 15, then one of them, 
one of them, only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, I think with a tone of sadness in his voice, were not ten made clean, but the other nine? Where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, except this Samaritan, except this half-breed who's not really Jewish, except this one who doesn't follow all the Old Testament as the Jewish community followed all the Old Testament? Is he the only one to come back to Jesus and say, thank you? Instead of going on to the priest... This one, this one leper, Samaritan leper, instead of going on to the priest, he went back to Jesus and became a priest. He, in his spirit, built an altar there before Jesus, and he knelt and he worshipped Jesus. And he said those powerful words, thank you. We need to learn how to say thank you better and more often. And we need to be profuse with our thanksgivings to the people around us. We're still, many of us are still grieving the loss of Michael Amos from our congregation. Michael was a faithful, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ who served Christ through this church family for, um, for su- such a long time. But we still think we lost him to the other side way too soon. He struggled with his illness for 15 months. It was a very severe illness, and he finally had to pass to the other side, to heaven, to get healed of that illness. During those 15 months, if any of you visited him, I've heard this so many times, if you visited him, it was what I experienced when I visited him, he would say numerous times how blessed he was. And I'm there looking at somebody with a brain tumor, I'm there with somebody who's losing their mobility, who they know they're facing the end of their life, and he just wanted to share his joy with me. He just kept talking about how blessed he was. He said he was blessed because during those 15 months, a lot of his close friends and a lot of his acquaintances came to see him. And he so enjoyed your company when you did that. He was blessed because he got to live to see his daughter Ellen's wedding. He got to participate in his daughter Ellen's wedding. So every time up to the very end, when he passed away at the hospice house here in High Point, up to the very end, he was talking about how blessed he was. I think we take a lot of our blessings for granted. We need to be profuse in the ways that we say thank you. Several of us here in this room, we attended the uh, Rotary Thanksgiving luncheon, luncheon at HPU on Friday, compliments of the Quibane family. It's always a wonderful Thanksgiving event for Rotarians in this part of the state. Uh, Dr. Quibane actually mentioned a story about a person who was interviewing, interviewing some people for a new position. And before he had any discussion with them about anything to do with the position, he took them to to dinner. They went to dinner, and as they were leaving, this potential employer looked at those two potential employees and said, you're hired and you are not. And of course, the one who was not hired was curious, 
and said, you haven't even read my resume yet. But this potential employer said, I didn't need to. I learned what I needed to learn as we were sharing the meal. The one he hired said thank you every time a server did something for him. Brought his meal, picked up his plate, filled his tea glass. And the other one never bothered to say thank you. He was busy talking to a potential employer. Saying thank you is a simple thing, but it's so important. Saying thank you to each other, saying thank you to the people who serve you on a consistent basis, and especially saying thank you to God. It was the mystic Michael Meister Eckhart who said the greatest of all prayers is just simply thank you. We're so busy seeking the gifts from God, we, we, we sometimes forget to say thank you to the giver of those gifts. We're so busy seeking the gifts from God that we forget to seek the giver himself. Matthew Henry, that great preacher of the latter part of the 17th century and the beginning of the 18th century, taught me something really important one time about thank, thankful living. Matthew Henry, and you may recognize that name, his commentaries are still in print, even though he died in 1714. His commentaries on the Old and New Testament are still worth purchasing. And he wrote a, wrote a journal, he kept a journal, he kept a diary like many people did in that age. And one day he was robbed. And he recorded some words in his diary that I'll never forget. This is what he wrote about his robbery, how he was robbed. He said, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. Fourth, and I love this one. Fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. We can always find a multitude of things for which to be thankful if we have grace-healed eyes, if we have tender hearts toward the people around us. But if we have this spirit of entitlement, I deserve it, I demand it, I should have it, then you're never going to develop that attitude of gratitude where you learn to say thank you profusely to the people around you and you learn to say thank you to God. Just keep account of how many times you say thank you each day and I hope it's up into the triple digits. We are such a blessed people. One of the ways I like to travel, one of the reasons I like to travel to other lands is it always reminds me how blessed we are here in this nation, I hope that each one of us will be the one who always remembers to say thank you. Like that one leper who said thank you. That one leper who went back to Jesus, who took time. You know, I'm sure the other lepers, as they were healed, they ran on to the temple, they got that clean bill of health, they just exuberantly continued on with their life. They should have just stopped and formed an impromptu choir and sang Psalm 104 to God. They didn't. They just had a busy life and they rushed back in life. But only one, a Samaritan, only one went back to Jesus and said thank you. May we always be the one who remembers. 
Remember to say thank you. If you have a spirit of entitlement, it will, it will kill any option of you growing a deep, rich spirit of gratitude. But if you see all of life a gift from God, which it is, if you see all of life a gift from God, you'll develop, you'll develop a heart of gratitude. We do not pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. The Bible teaches we don't even have bootstraps. All of life is a gift from God. The life here and now and the life, certainly the life that is to come, all of God's activity and action toward us is grace. That's why all of our life should be gratitude in response. Notice how the story ends. Then Jesus said to this one leper who was grateful enough to come back and say, thank you, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word there for being made well is the Greek word sozo. You can translate that, you've been made well, you've been made whole, you've been salvaged, you've been delivered, you've been saved. So you can translate this literally, go, get up and go on your way, your faith has saved you. I think what's implied here in the text rather strongly is that this one who went back to Jesus received more than just physical healing. Nine of them received physical healing. That's wonderful. That's great. But the one who turned around and went back received more. He was made whole. He was, he was saved. I'm so excited because in just a few minutes, we're going to sing one of my favorite hymns. I never know what my favorite hymn is, but I can always tell you my top five. So this one's always in my top five. I'm going to sing one of my favorite hymns. We're going to sing one of my favorite hymns written in 1771. And the title of the hymn, as we know it, is There is a Fountain Filled with Blood Drawn from Emmanuel's Veins, written by William Cooper. Now, I know when you look in the hymn in a few moments, I hope you do look at the bottom of the page always to see where the hymn comes from. You'll see it spelled C-O-W-W-P-E-R. Please don't call this man Cowper. If you do, the people in England will laugh at you. It's Cooper. But William Cooper wrote that hymn. He wrote that hymn in 1771. He was part of that revival that the Wesley brothers helped bring to England. He was Anglican. He worked with another Anglican clergyman by the name of John Newton. Perhaps you know the name John Newton. That Anglican, Anglican clergyman who wrote Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. Well, John Newton was the pastor of Olney Church, and William Cooper was the musician there at Olney Church. And they actually got together, and they wrote one of the earliest, greatest hymnals for the Protestant movement, and it was just simply entitled Olney Hymns, because that was the parish, that was the church. And it was in 1771, and one of the hymns that was included is There's a Fountain Filled with Blood. So you need to know, I want you to know, John Cooper, friend of John, William Cooper, friend of John Newton. That hymn, the hymn we're getting ready to sing, is a meditation on the saving blood of Jesus Christ. And he wants you to understand that no matter what life brings, 
No matter your circumstances, no matter your physical ailments, you have already, if you know Christ, you have already received the greatest gift possible, your salvation in Jesus Christ. No matter what life throws at you, no matter how dark the darkness becomes, if you know Jesus Christ, you've already participated in the greatest miracle possible in your life. You've received the gift of Jesus Christ to to save you from your sins, to cleanse your heart, to make you whole. So William Cooper always wanted people to remember that in Christ, through the shed blood of Christ, we have received the greatest gift. Everything else in life is simply icing on the cake. But sometimes we focus on the icing. And we forget this important basis of the Christian life. Let me tell you a little bit more about William Cooper before you sing his hymn in a few moments. He had a hard, hard life. In our world today, we would say he, he was afflicted his whole life with mental illness. He struggled with deep, deep depression his whole life. And like many of the people in that area, era, he kept a journal. So we know, we know a lot about this gentleman. He... he he experienced deep, deep depression. They called it melancholy back in those days. But he experienced a deep, deep depression throughout his life. There were several times in his life he got very close to taking his own life. And that's why he needed to remind himself there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. No matter how dark it gets, remember this. Everything else is icing on the cake. You've already received everything you need for joy and holiness in this life and the life to come through Jesus Christ. Jesus is enough. He really is. Everything else that we think we need is extra. I love there is a fountain filled with blood. There's actually one phrase in there that I've always told my family I want on my tombstone. It's that phrase, redeeming love has been my theme. So I hope that you will, will know and know well William Cooper's meditation on the saving blood of Jesus Christ. And in all of your getting in life, remember that the most important thing is salvation in Christ. So I think the one that came back and bowed before Jesus, who made himself prostrate in worship before Jesus, the one who simply said thank you to Jesus, received not just physical healing. The other nine received physical healing. He received the salvation of this hours in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, for the gift of this day and for your word to us this morning, we give you thanks. Keep us humble, O oh God. Keep us open to all that your grace has for us. Help us to live wisely. Help us to live rightly in life. Help us to rightly order all of our passions, rightly order all of our loves to keep you first and foremost. Through Christ, you have given us the greatest gift. Through Christ, you've already worked the greatest miracle in our lives. Amen.